exploring faith journeys and inspiring ministries that embody the good news of God, this is Cumberland Road. I'm your host, T.J. Milanowski, and today we have with us Nate Matthews. He is the Senior Minister of First Cumberland Presbyterian Church in Lubbock, Texas, graduate of Bethel University in McKenzie, Tennessee, and also a graduate of Memphis Theological Seminary. He and his wife, Anna, are from the Middle Tennessee area, and they have been living in West Texas for over two years. Nate, how are things going in Texas? Things are going about like they are everywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but things are good. Things are well. Nate, when was your first encounter with God? Yeah, uh, you know, what's, what's interesting, TJ, is I, I love this, this Cumberland Road uh, language because for my own faith journey, it has been just that, is an actual journey. And I often, uh, I often talk to people and teach and preach that the journey is, is what's important. Uh, and at least that's my theology. And so for me, um, I grew up, my journey began, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, I had Christian parents. We had family devotionals uh, gathered around the, the living room table and uh, the, the, the coffee table and, you know, family devotions where us kids would fall asleep in the middle of the prayer and my dad would <laughs> nudge us, you know, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, so my, my encounter with God certainly began in some way, shape or form with my family. Um, but the, the, the tradition that I was uh, reared in was a tradition that set a foundation. And I'm thankful for that foundation. In fact, I often tell my parents, I'm, I'm so thankful for the foundation that you guys set before us. And they think that I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> my foundation was very similar to a fundamentalist um, tradition. And uh, so not a lot of questions were allowed to be had, uh, not a lot of searching or, or digging. Um, if you had questions or doubts, those were, those were, were not often welcomed. Uh, you needed to have the faith and you needed to, to just read the Bible. And it had to be the King James. That was, <laughs> that was uh, the only one that we were allowed to have. So my my encounters with God were, were fluid and at various points, but I, I received Christ as my personal savior in the tradition that I grew up in and the way I understood it when I was nine years old. To this day, I believe that God's grace was sufficient and God's grace was present, was present. but I, I have always wrestled with, um, was that truly an encounter with God or did I just do what was expected of me? Um, at the time, because it was it was very much a you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this, you know, and, and you're getting older, you, you got to do this and, and not so much a push from the parents, but just the 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 atmosphere of the congregation. And so um, that began a journey of a lot of questions and uh, a lot of doubt, a lot of um, fear. The tradition I grew up in, the pastor often said from the pulpit, if you're 99% sure you're going to heaven, you're 100% going to hell. So for years, I thought I was going to hell. I mean, I had this, this, this honest fear of 
well, how can you be sure? Like how, especially from the teaching and preaching that I was hearing, you know, how, how can you be sure? How can you have that assurance of salvation? And so um, the questions began and uh, the journey began even more in depth. That, that opened up a lot of doors for some not wonderful things. <laughs> Uh, when you when you're when you're a kid asking all the adults in your church a bunch of questions, it it, it raises um, <laughs> some issues. Let's just say that uh, you know you, you're you're the you're the kid. You're supposed to get over there in the corner and listen to the teacher and be quiet. And and uh, so I started asking questions and started doubting things and started wondering things. And I remember distinctly being in high school. I think I was a freshman in high school. And there was a young man who had, had came in from, it was a Monday morning, came in, he was all jolly and excited. And, and uh, he sat around the lunch table and he said uh, he'd given his life to Christ that, that weekend at some church event. And everybody's, oh, this is great. This is wonderful, you know. And I'm like, that's awesome. And, and uh, <laughs> about half an hour later, he said a four-letter word. <laughs> And I, I accused him of not being a Christian. And uh, Lord knows if that was the criteria, I'd be in big trouble, you know, <laughs> um, uh, especially now. But, but the, the reality is that, that I, had, I had accused him of not being a, a true Christian. And, and that, that rhetoric had ended up being a part of my life for years prior and about a year after. Uh, my freshman year in high school, and I had even accused people of not having the right Bible, mm. you know, because it wasn't King James. So I was still asking questions, but holding to some of those traditions. And I finally came to a place where I said, you know what, something's not adding up for me. And I, I said, I, I need to, to research and study more. And lo and behold, I was exposed to the Cumberland Presbyterian Church my, I think, junior year of high school. And uh, never heard of the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, which is weird because I grew up in a community with five of them. <laughs> um, drove right past them um, almost every Sunday, but it never even never even registered that that was a Cumberland Presbyterian Church. And uh, my first sermon in a Cumberland Presbyterian Church was a, a that I heard was a teaching sermon, and it was a sermon filled with grace, but then a a call into something deeper. Mm. And I said, what is this? And uh, I had my encounter with what I believe to be who God is um, in a very real way in a Cumberland Presbyterian church. Um, I often say that, that the Cumberland Presbyterian church showed me a side of God that I never knew existed. Wow. And so that, that began a, a much longer journey of faith, of questions, of doubt and fear. Um, but certainly, um, if you want to use the language of, of a conversion experience or a, um, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that began within the Cumberland Presbyterian Church in my uh, teenage and young adult years. So that hunger for accusations towards other people about words they used or Bibles that they carried flip-flopped internally as a hunger for knowing more about this God of grace. Yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, I just, 
the, the accusatory language isn't real feeding. <laughs> I mean, it, it leaves a lot to be desired. And, and when I would see my encounter with others, when I would see how people would receive that encounter, it never resembled my understanding, my limited understanding of scripture with Jesus hmm. and Jesus' encounter with others. It, it, it was never a sense of, oh, this individual is talking to me about salvation or talking to me about wholeness or talking to me about Jesus. This, this guy's just over here accusing me that I'm just not good enough. <laughs> and it goes back to that 99% sure <laughs> you're, you know, hundred percent going to hell. I mean, I think that was, that was part of my, my, my foundation. Um, and so I, I, in a sense, transferred that to others and to those conversations. And so the hunger became, there's got to be more than this. There has to be, there has to be more, and I've got to know more, and I've got to understand more. And this God that I never knew existed, that I was exposed to in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church, um, truly loves me. And in a way that, that I didn't even know could happen, a love that, that was real and raw and unconditional and that truly draw, that drew something out of me, but then also put something in. Like that was just the, I mean, that was just the cool experience of it. Like there are things in my life that, that I just can no longer have or believe or be a part of, but, but I'm being filled with, with new things. Um, and very similar to the, the wineskins, I guess. Yeah. So as your relationship deepened and your journey with God has taken a, a bend in the road, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What has your journey been like since that curve in the road? But also, where has it taken you? So um, my wife was, uh, <laughs> when we were dating, she was a Cumberland Presbyterian. <laughs> and so um, what's fascinating is that we, we actually uh, started dating we start going to Cumberland Presbyterian Church, and um, she said, what's funny is, is I, I kind of always had this idea that God was calling me to some type of ministry, and she said that she didn't know um, where God would take us. She would follow wherever God led. She just hoped it wasn't in certain circles, <laughs> <laughs> uh, different churches that I had, you know, been a part of. You felt this calling in high school. Yeah, I mean, there was a pull. Um, there was a pull, actually, when I was 10, um, when I was 10 years old. And so not long after my, my professed faith in the tradition I grew up in, um, but it wasn't encouraged. Um, again, I think the questions created some discomfort for people, but it, it wasn't encouraged. So I did feel a, a pull or some type of call when I was 10. I actually asked for my first biblical commentary when I was 13. <laughs> And so, and believe me, that'll raise some questions too. When, when a 13 year old for Christmas is asking for Bible commentaries. You know? <laughs> so um, my aunt, uh, my mom's sister, she bought me my first uh, commentary or reference book, which was a, a Haley's Bible handbook. Um, she bought it at Lifeway Christian Bookstore and I was elated. I started researching all in the questioning and stuff early on. And uh, but still held on to some of those things that that I I have since uh, not held on to or I have since let go. But yeah, so the call I, I felt something and uh, didn't know what it was. But I always had an infatuation with the church, like a deep desire to be a part of the community. Um, I was often the first one in the door and the last one to leave. My parents were often in the car waiting, 
for me to, you know, they're like, okay, where's the kid at now? You know, and I'm talking to the preacher or talking to somebody. And, and uh, so I think all of those things led to, to the bend in the curve, if you will, uh, of the road. And uh, my wife and I, we were at, we started going to Cumberland Presbyterian Church and uh, we ended up both going to Bethel. And uh, Bethel was one of the pivotal moments of my life. Uh, I, I was surrounded by a diverse group of people, um, religiously, ethically, ethnically, um, you know, just, just so much diversity. And, um, it was my, it was my first exposure with a, a, um, ordained woman. <laughs> it was my first <laughs> major encounter with Chaplain Hames. And, and I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't against it, but I wasn't still sure how I felt about it, you know? <laughs> and so, uh, but Bethel opened up all kinds of, of opportunities and discussion. And, you know, you got students that are, are holding Bible studies and you got students from various faith traditions that are engaging in conversation and, and debate. And um, at times um, heavily debated and heavily argumentative um, theologies. And I'm sitting here going, wow, wait a minute, you know? I remember uh, one of the pivotal moments there, um, we were in the middle of a discussion about a Bible study and one of my classmates said he was going to go and grab a beer um, after the, after the Bible study. And I, I just kind of stopped and I said, what? And he said, yeah, so I'm just, you want to go get one? I was like, no, I don't drink. <laughs> so that's like, no, we can't do that. You know, that, that causes some problems. And, uh, and I really wrestled with that. I, I'm trying to figure out how can, how can this person claim to be a Christian and then still have a beer? Because I'm still carrying my, my um, foundation with me. So I, I decided to talk to, at the time, uh, the director of Renaissance, who was uh, Reverend Peter Jeffrey. I just went in his office and he's sitting there um, at his desk reading his Bible. And uh, I sat down and I said, Peter, I said, I got, I'm struggling. I said, I'm, you know, I'm all this diversity, all these like different thoughts and different theologies. And we got women preachers and we got people thinking it's okay to have a beer. And this person over here has a tattoo. And you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm like, I'm, I'm wrestling with some stuff. And he listened more than anything. And then he, he kind of asked me kind of your question of like my faith journey. And when I expressed to him the statement that the Cumberland Presbyterian Church showed me a side of God I never knew existed. He basically asked, is it possible that God is still showing God's self? And I just, I just was like, whoa, <laughs> like that's some, like, man, that's some, that was for me as a, a freshman in college, that was some pretty deep stuff. And uh, is it possible that God is still revealing God's self um, in the midst of all this? And I came to the conclusion that, yes, that was indeed the case, that God um, was showing the reflection of the body of Christ in ways that I didn't even know was possible either. So not only did God show me a side of God that I never knew existed, God showed me uh, the body of Christ in a way that I never knew existed through Bethel. And that was just a really cool, cool uh, time for me. Did you experience or accept the call to ministry while you were at Bethel, or was that later, did you, while you were at seminary? How did that work? Yeah, no, I accepted the call um, while at Bethel. Um, I had, 
I had done the whole typical thing. We run from the call. That's very common. Um, regardless of tradition, I have found <laughs> that we tend to, to run from it. Um, but I, I had started out as an education major. That didn't last long at all. Uh, I, I basically just needed some scholarship money. And so I wrote some papers for that and, <laughs> and got the scholarships. And then, and then I, I was a music major. I thought God was calling me in to be, uh, to become a music minister. And that didn't last very long. So I changed my major to, to psychology and that's where I found the most peace. And in the process of traveling with the Renaissance choir and being in diverse settings and talking with fellow Cumberland Presbyterians and other people of faith and other people exploring their call. Um, I finally came to this place after many years of wrestling and, and challenging and saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Just having a sense of this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in, in pulpit and pastoral ministry. Um, terrified, beyond terrified. It still is terrifying. I think anybody that says it's not, they don't, they're not paying attention. But I finally came to this place of peace. I'm going, this is, this is my call. And it was in, I believe, March of 2007 that I had finally, if you want to use the language of surrendered uh, to the call. Um, I had preached before for years. I had served in various capacities in different churches for years. But the actual acceptance and saying, okay, God, I'll, I'll do this. Um, leave me alone. <laughs> um, was around March, 2007. Where do you see your life and your ministry now in terms of your relationship with Christ? Yeah. Um, it's still a journey. I think it should, for me, it should always be a journey. Um, I don't ever want to get to the place of feeling as though I have arrived, um, that I have this figured out. Um, that I have the answers. I think God is beyond beyond any one description, um, any one understanding, even any one theology. And you know, I'm I'm reminded in, in seminary, which was a <laughs> seminary was the best experience of my life, probably. And uh, I'm reminded in seminary, a professor said they, they quoted Karl Barth, who said that uh, painting theology is like painting a bird in flight. And I think that that is just so powerful because if you think of, of not only the artistic element but the reality of in our day and time where everything is just you can take a snapshot and you have a stilled moment and this is how it is and this is how we define um, situations and circumstances by this stilled capture the idea of painting a bird in flight is very fluid and it's very it's it's ongoing I mean I just imagine as you're painting the wing doing one thing then it's already changed and you're trying to trying to, to address that and change that picture. Right. And so, you know, I, for my own life in theology and faith journey and the ministry, that's, that's kind of my, my go-to is that it's like painting a bird in flight. And the more I learn, the more I read, the more I, I grow, the more I realize I need to learn and read and grow more and, and having an openness to still allow God to show me and reveal God's self to me in ways that I never knew existed. And so I hope to reflect that in my ministry. I, I try not to pigeonhole people. I try not to um, rain on people's parade, if you will. I try to foster an atmosphere of questions. Having, having not been allowed to ask questions growing up, uh, I really want people to ask questions and not be afraid of those questions. Um, that you can, you know, I had a 
professor seminary also say god's a big god god can handle it you know uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i promise you it's okay and so you know i think that that's that's one of the things that this painting of bird and flight for me in, in ministry and my theology and my life is is very indicative of how i live this out um that is very fluid and it's a journey and there are certain foundational and convictions that i have but it's definitely a journey for sure where do you see God working in the world today? Oh, wow. You know, that's a hard question if you turn on your news or scroll through social media, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, especially in today's current culture. You know, I mean, if I would say that we have to go back, for me, I have to go back to scriptures, specifically uh, to the Old Testament and the encounters with Jesus in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, you have your prophets of old who who always found a way <laughs> to encounter the culture, to encounter the time, to encounter the injustice, to encounter whatever was going on. And they always had a word, thus says the Lord. And, <laughs> and you know, I imagine that, that people living in those times were wondering, where is God today? Where is, is God even active? And so often, if, we're, if we pay a close if we pay close attention in a careful reading of the text, we see that the prophets are always calling God's people to be, in a sense, um, God's presence in and among all that's happening. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's still the call today. And we see that even in the New Testament, where Jesus not only calls people to follow him, but encounters the broken, encounters the hurting, and, and touches the sick, and, and lifts up the oppressed, and, you know, I think that that it's hard to find sometimes because I feel like that the church has become less concerned about what's happening in the moment and the church universal has become very concerned about uh, the eternity of the soul. Hmm. And so when, when that happens, um, you, you separate the two, which in my opinion almost becomes a sense of Gnosticism, you know, that matter is bad and body is bad. And, and so, I think that that God is present now in the voices and the actions of those prophetic leaders um, in our midst. And some, you know, some of us consider people like Martin Luther King uh, Jr., a, a prophet of his time, and Gandhi, a prophet of his time, and Susan B. Anthony, a, a prophet in her time, and, and people like that. Um, and so I think that we certainly have the prophets of today in our time. But I also think the church universal is is missing an opportunity. I think it's I think it exists, but I think the church universal is missing an opportunity to really speak and be present in the moment hmm. instead of a a by and by uh, mentality or theology. And so I do think God is present. I just think we have to work a little bit harder to find God in these days than some of us would like. All right. So that's good. Um, that leads into something else I wanted to ask you is what are some of your ideas, your dreams, your aspirations for the church presently today, but also in the future? You know, the, the church universal hasn't always, um, even as of recent, you could go all the way back historically, of course, but as of recent, hasn't always been a champion of, of unity. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my goodness, you know, I think that in our polarized times, 
I think it would be really powerful, and I would love to see the church champion this concept of unity and in diversity, as scripture teaches us to have unity and diversity. Um, I think it would be really powerful and, and an opportunity for people to understand Christians in a new way if we would kind of spearhead, if you will, the, the very need for our unity in our polarized times. And so what I mean by that is we don't really, we don't really foster conversation anymore. Um, we, we don't have fruitful dialogue anymore. You have, and, and I'm guilty of it too, I've, I've done it, but often you have pastors from pulpits that, that just kind of demand this or demand that, um, that way of teaching or this way of thinking. Um, and you have church members who then leave having that same mentality. We have a whole lot of you're right, I'm wrong, and I'm right and you're wrong mentality in the church. Um, again, not, not a great place universally for fostering conversations, at least from the data that I've seen and the conversations I've had. And I think that like, I would love to see the church just take a, just pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. <laughs> we're in the middle of social and racial unrest. We're in the middle of, of polarization. And I would, I would love for the church to just pump the brakes and say, okay, now is the time. The church exists for such a time as this. Now is the time for us to, let's talk. And let's do so in a safe environment. Let's do so in a respectful way. Because I think what we have done is we have dehumanized the issues around us that directly involves humanity. Hmm. Um, we talk about the issues um, in a way that is dehumanizing. We forget about the face behind uh, the issue. And I, I think that the church, as especially as Cumberland Presbyterians, we talk about the covenant community. I mean, this is, this is, we, we have our baptismal covenants. We have our, our, our covenant community that we trace all the way back from Abraham. And this idea that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. It's not about me, TJ. It's not about you. It's not about, you know, the person sitting next to me and the person on the other side of me alone. It is about us collectively as the community in this beautiful covenant. And I think that if we could as Cumberland Presbyterians get back to remembering that and share in, in dialogue and conversation and seeing the humanity behind the issues and the conversations, um, we might could hopefully um, set out a new path for others. I would love to see that. I would love to see us engage in, in real dialogue. Nate, that's pretty interesting to think about the covenant that God has made with humanity first may push us away from dehumanizing issues and problems and struggles and obstacles and barriers in the world. It's an interesting starting point. I hadn't thought about that before. Nate, where can listeners learn more about you, uh, your ministry at Lubbock, and keep in contact with you through your faith journey, which is always in movement? Yes. It is in movement, and so am I. <laughs> so uh, there, there are, I do, I do have a blog. It's uh, openthetable.blogspot.com, openthetable.blogspot.com. I don't get to write as much as I would like, but its, it's premise is that I believe in an open table where, where faith, equality, and justice can be talked about and shared in a way that can hopefully spark something new. And so I often write about various issues that, that do surround us. Um, one of the things that often 
uh, gets said about people who who hold to a, a at least a social interest um, with the gospel. Some people believe that there is this idea that we don't value scripture. And so one of my uh, blogs is, is a high view of scripture um, that people who still hold to a social understanding also of the sacred text. And so um, it's just a way to enter into the conversation. Since I pastor at First Cumberland Presbyterian of Lubbock, uh, you can visit their website or social media pages and, and um, you can listen to sermons if you so dare. Um, and they might bore you to death, but they are there. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nate, thank you for being part of the Cumberland Road. And thank you for listening to today's podcast. Tell a friend and travel with us on our next journey down Cumberland Road.